Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Father, we pray that you would be glorified this morning. Lord, would you speak through me, God? Would your words come through me, Lord? Uh, would every person here, Lord, encounter you today, Jesus? Uh, I love you, Lord. Would you get me out of the way, God, so that people can see you in Jesus' mighty name? Amen. All right, y'all. Well, hey, this summer we've been going through this series called The Beautiful Exchange. Uh, and, you know, if you're anything like me, uh, over the past couple of weeks, you've been following NBA free agency. Uh, and if you're anything like my wife, You've been listening to things about NBA free agency a lot. Uh, and that's a little bit, one of the big things that happened so far is this trade uh, of Paul George to OKC. So OKC had some couple, like two players that are just, God bless them, not the best in the world. Uh, but they traded them for Paul George, who's one of the best players in the NBA. And the beautiful exchange is a little bit like that, although on a much grander scale, which is that God, uh, in His mercy, has, ex- has done this exchange where we give Him our mess and our sin and our junk, and in return, He gives us eternal life. I mean, it's the best deal of all time, right? And, and it's a little bit like Paul George, but maybe not that much. So uh, verse 6 in Romans chapter 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And verse 8 says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. This is the beautiful exchange uh, that God in his mercy has, has put our old self, our sin on the cross with Jesus and we actually resurrect with Jesus when he resurrected three days later. Uh, amen? Come on. Uh, but here's the deal. Here's the deal is that truth and reality are not always the same thing. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. If someone wired me a million dollars to my bank account, which I'm not opposed to, just FYI, uh, if that happened, the truth would be that there's a million dollars sitting in my bank account and I'm a millionaire, right? That's the truth. But what if I decided not to ever touch the money and to live as a poor man and I never ever acted as if I was a millionaire, then my reality would not reflect the truth of being a millionaire. My reality would be something totally different. And so as we talk about this beautiful exchange, this is what's happened. This is the truth in Jesus that he has sacrificed himself and he rose again and you can be set free. But are you living in that reality this morning? Are you living in a reality that reflects the truth of what has happened? Uh, it takes a choice. It takes a choice to say, hey, Lord, I want to I live for you. I want to start a relationship with you. So each week we've been talking about a different fruit of the Spirit. Uh, today we're going to be focusing on goodness. So you can find the whole list in Galatians 5, but today we're really going to focus on goodness. And here's what I want to draw our attention to this morning, that goodness will either be a source of contention or victory for us. And here's what I mean. We don't necessarily do well with judging goodness. And so what happens a lot of the time is that we fall to these different pitfalls, these two extremes about goodness. One is, I'm all good, right? I'm all good. Here's the other one, I'm no good. So as we judge goodness, we start to believe I'm either all good or I'm either no good. And there's actually this middle way with Jesus where we can walk with him and experience his goodness. And we'll get to that later, but let's start with, I'm all good. I'm all good says, you know, you know what, you talk about 
uh, sin. You talk about, you know, going to church and following Jesus, but I really think I'm doing pretty well in that area. I think I'm, I'm all good. I'm a pretty good person. I say good things. I don't treat people bad. I'm all good. Well, there's a guy in the Bible who, uh, who thought that as well. And you find it in Matthew 19. And he's known as the, the rich young man. So I'm going to read this for us. Verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to Jesus, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, what's the real issue here with this young man? I believe that the real issue was that he was relying on himself to be his own source of goodness. Okay, he was like, I've got it all figured out, Jesus. Name any commandment. I've done it. I've lived by it. I'm pretty good. I'm all good here. So what do I lack? And he's almost saying it to puff himself up again. But Jesus knew his heart. And he knew that on the inside, that he could not produce his own goodness throughout the whole life. He couldn't be perfect, right? So Jesus says, if you would be perfect, then go sell all you have. And he went away sorrowful because he had much. You see, he couldn't be his own foundation of goodness. Jesus found the one thing that he couldn't bring himself to do on his own. And Jesus, maybe, but on his own? No way. He, he thought he was all good, but Jesus knew his heart. And, and the issue here really is, is self-reliance. Right, it's this idea of spiritual self-reliance. We, we, this is kind of an American culture thing anyway, right? We have all these different sayings. We say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? God helps those who help themselves. You know, all, all these different things, it's part of our culture. But in reality, spiritual self-reliance is in itself an oxymoron. You can't, you can't rely on yourself for spiritual needs, for something only God can provide. But, but here's the deal. This is really just a, a 21st century tower of Babel. Right? We're saying, God, I don't need you that bad. Jesus, what you did on the cross, it's really not that valuable for me because I'm good. Right? It's this pitfall from goodness. We say, I'm all good. So are you trying to be your own foundation of goodness today? Are you relying on yourself for things that only God can provide? I'm the first to say that I do this all the time. I'm so prone to, to rely on myself. I'm like, God, I got this one. You can just sit it out, right? Just sit on the bench for a little bit. I'll, I'll do it. I'll take the jump shot, you know? But in reality, I'm never going to find the satisfaction that God has made me for if I'm relying on myself for my own foundation of goodness. When I think of goodness, I try to think of someone who might be the poster child of goodness, right? And uh, I think Mother Teresa is a pretty good pick, right? People who are Christian and non-Christian would say, Mother Teresa was pretty good. If you don't know who she is, she was a, a missionary in India and she gave her life for the sick and the poor. And so I went to Mother Teresa. I said, hey, I mean, I wasn't talking to her. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, I went online uh, and I looked up some quotes and I was like, hey, Mother Teresa, you know, what do you say about goodness? And, and here's the quote that stuck out. It's something that was kind of like her life mantra. And she said it over and over. She said, faithfulness, not success. 
Faithfulness, not success. You see, even the most good person in this world is not, was not rely, or focusing on goodness or good deeds or success in herself. She was focused on a relationship with Jesus. And out of that place, there was goodness that just kept overflowing. Right? She didn't have her eyes on what I can do. She had her eyes on Jesus. That is how we tap into a life of goodness. So we have this one pitfall. I'm all good. But on the other extreme, we've got one that says, I'm no good. And it's similar because we're still focused on good deeds and what we can achieve. But there's a sense of insecurity there. The one who says, I'm all good, is not really worried. They're just kind of like, okay, I don't really need God that much. But this other one is obsessed with being good enough for God. Basically, it's performance, right? I'm trying to perform for God to be good enough, good enough and achieve my way to heaven. But the reality is that, that it's really just a cycle of lies. It's, it's this thing that came up when sin entered the world in the garden, this shame and guilt. It produces these lies that, that say, you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. God will never use you. God will never love you. There are all these, these lies that come from this place of sin. So when we look at God through this lens of sin, we think he's stingy. We think he's stingy with his grace and with his love and with his forgiveness. But you know, the reality is that performance totally mistakes the character of God. Because our God is good, and our God is loving, and our God is forgiving, and he's not stingy. Like literally, our God's not stingy with his love, with his forgiveness. He's willing to give and give and give. It changes everything when we know this truth. If you get anything today, I want you to get this, that God doesn't need you, but God wants you. Okay? God doesn't need you. He, he can do anything he wants, right? He's powerful. He can do anything he wants. He doesn't need your efforts, your performance, but he wants you. He wants you because of who you are. That's the truth this morning. That's what will set you free from being a captive to performance, is that God doesn't need you, but oh, he wants you. He wants to know you. He wants relationship with you just like a friend. The thing that will change your life is really believing that you are who God says you are. That your identity in Jesus is actually true. My dad's here this morning and I love my dad. And and something that he would do every night when he put me to bed was he'd say this to me. He'd say, you're something special. You're not like all the rest. You're going to be a leader. Every night that he put me to bed, you're something special you're not like all the rest. You're going to be a leader. And you know what? That shaped me because I started to believe it. I started to believe that he saw something in me that I couldn't see all the time. And so I actually started to live it out. And I hope that you hear your heavenly father this morning saying, you are loved. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are holy. You're my son or my daughter. And I love you. That's what your heavenly father is saying today. That's who he says you are. But are you going to believe it? You can't live it out unless you believe it. To have faith this morning that God is really, truly saying that over you. There's a story in the Bible that I love uh, about a guy named Joshua. Joshua was the leader of the Israelites back in the Old Testament, and he followed up this guy named Moses. FYI, Moses was a big deal. Okay, Moses was a great, great leader. And in fact, Scripture says that, that there was never a prophet in Israel like Moses again. That he spoke to God face to face, unlike anyone else in the world. So Moses was this incredible leader, and Joshua had to follow him up. So you could already see that Joshua is a prime candidate for performance, for a performance mentality. And so Joshua starts to lead the Israelites, and we come to Joshua 9. Well, they had just started coming into the promised land, and Joshua was supposed to lead them into this land that God had kept for them. 
And so they're going around and they're defeating these foes of God. But there's these people called the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites were from that land, but they decided, you know what, let's try and deceive them in order to stay alive. So they dressed up like really poor people. They got, you know, dingy food, uh, crusty bread. They came up and they said, we're from a distant country and we just want to be your servants. Okay, we see that you, you serve a powerful God. We just want to be your servants. Keep us alive and we're from far away. You'll never, you know, you don't have to mess with us at all. And, and so uh, covenants are a big deal in the Bible. God takes promises seriously. These are God's people. And so God, you know, had a right uh, to have a say in what they did. And yet we come to Joshua 9, uh, verse 14. And it says, The men, the Israelites, took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. And so Joshua makes this covenant with his people out of a place of deception, and he doesn't ask God. He doesn't pray about it at all. He just makes this covenant. And so Joshua has made a massive mistake, right? If you're leading God's people, you should probably talk to God about big decisions, right? But he makes this covenant, and, and, and it's a massive mistake in front of all of Israel. All of Israel would know that he made this mistake. And my guess is that there's probably some people here who have had an experience like this, making a mistake in front of everybody. And, and there's full of embarrassment and there's, excuse me, shame and guilt that come up. Sometimes we make this, mis- we make mistakes in front of everybody and we don't know where to go, right? It's, it's like the Southwest Airlines commercials where you're like, want to get away? Uh, you know, like Joshua probably felt that in that moment, right? He made this massive mistake in front of everybody. And, and my guess is that there were probably some lies that the enemy was throwing at him. You'll never be a good leader. Look at this mistake you've made. Moses would have never made that mistake. You made such a big mistake in front of everybody. How could you ever measure up again? And if you had been operating out of a performance mentality, this would crush you. But there's probably some people here right now who are thinking, I don't know if I could come back from that. I don't know if I could do this and and still continue to lead and to follow God. But that's why a performance mentality doesn't make sense in the kingdom of God. Because the message of Jesus is that no one's too far gone. right? No mistake can separate you from the love of God. The message of Jesus is that he can transform anybody. That there's no one who's, who, who's somehow messed up too big for our powerful God. And so a performance mentality doesn't make sense. And Joshua, he, he continues to lead. And then you see in the very next chapter, in chapter 10, something incredible happened. Joshua, who was just messed up in front of everybody because he didn't seek God, and he didn't pray, they go into this battle and he prays an audacious prayer that God answers. He prays that God would make the sun stand still so that they could fight their enemy and defeat them. And God does it. In verse 14, it says, There's been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. He comes from this massive mistake. I didn't even pray about it. To praying an audacious prayer that God answers. You see, Joshua knew that he needed to trust in God's goodness and God's victory and power. And he became a conduit for God's power to be uh, realized in the earth. He didn't operate out of his own goodness. He knew that he could not produce a victory for Israel out of himself. Right? He wasn't saying I'm all good. He knew that his mistake did not take him out of the running to lead Israel. He wasn't saying I'm no good. He trusted God, received from him, and then lived it out. And that's how we live. 
That's how we live, guys. We receive from God, and then we allow His work to be manifest in the world. This beautiful exchange of goodness shows us that there's this middle way where we walk with Jesus. We don't have to settle for self-reliance. We don't have to settle for performance. We walk with Jesus in relationship, and we experience the beautiful exchange of His goodness in our life rather than ours. So how do you get to this middle way with Jesus? How do you experience this beautiful exchange? Well, I look at, look at it a little bit like this. So uh, my dad and I, a long time ago, went to New Zealand. We did this incredible adventure. Uh, I've gone on many travel adventures with my dad. But while we were there, uh, we heard that there's this cool thing that you do, which is you go down in these underground rivers. There's this cave system with big rivers, and you take an inner tube, literally an inner tube, you go down there and you ride the river. It's incredible. So we thought, we should do that. Uh, so we decided to go, and we found this place that's really off the beaten path. And it's a little bit rickety, a little bit kind of weird and creepy, but we thought, you know, whatever, we'll do it. But people probably lived doing this before, so we'll, we'll probably live too. So we go and, and we take the, this guy takes us out and there's this big hole in the earth. And you go down and about 80 or 100 feet down, there's a, a massive river under there. There's a, you know, a huge adventure just waiting for you. And so we thought, okay, well, I don't know how we're going to get down there, but I hope our guy tells us. So this isn't really like, America. And so we were expecting like a safety video or something, but no, we got about a two minute presentation on how to rappel down by yourself a hundred feet. And so here's what our guide gave us. He gave us the bare essentials. So he gave us a rope and a harness. He told us how to position ourselves for about two minutes. So put your hand back here, lean back, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then he, he, he expected us to just jump, right? He expected us to jump off into the unknown, into this great adventure down there. And I think this is a little bit like following Jesus because he's given us the bare essentials, right? He's given us the Holy Spirit to live in us and so that we can live a transformed life. He's given us scripture so that we can know what God looks like, what he's like, and how we can follow him. He's given us prayer, which he uses and he answers, right? So we got the bare essentials. He's told us how to position ourselves, uh, which in John 15, 15, 4, he says, uh, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we know that our position is abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus because he is our life source, just like a vine is a life source for a branch. So we know where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be with Jesus, right? So we spend time with him. We read scripture and worship and pray and listen for his voice to guide us and we participate in the body of Christ, right? That's remaining in Jesus, is being in church, the body of Christ. So we have the bare essentials. We, we know where we're supposed to be, how to position ourselves. But at some point, we've got to jump, right? At some point, we've got to jump into something that might be a little bit unknown. We may not have all the answers about how to rappel down 100 feet into the unknown, right? But what we do have is God with us. What we do have is God there bringing us purpose. And so we're jumping into something with purpose and adventure. We're not jumping into something that, that is, is totally unknown because we know that God will be with us. And so at some point, we've got to jump. Here's an example of kind of something like that. My grandparents were here in the first service, and my grandmother helped school me as I was growing up. Me and my sister were homeschooled. And so about once a week, we'd go to her house, and she would uh, teach us different subjects. And one thing that she had us do was read The Hiding Place. And The Hiding Place is by Corrie ten Boom. And if you don't know who she is, she's an incredible woman of God. And she's from the Netherlands. And during the Holocaust, she actually saved uh, Jews by hiding them in her house. And at some point, she got found out. 
And so she was taken away to concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And she was very brutally mistreated, her and her sister. Uh, but she lived through this experience, and she still loved and trusted God. And later in her life, she writes about this in her book, she had the opportunity to meet a Nazi soldier who had been at the camp that she was at, that her sister had died in, that she had been mistreated in. And he was before her face, and she had this opportunity to forgive. Here's what she says in her book about it. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I pray, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. And here's the deal. Corey Ten Boom, I want, I want to guess, she didn't feel prepared for that moment. She didn't feel prepared to forgive that man face to face. It might have felt something like jumping off into the unknown. But God was there with her. And God provided the, the goodness, the love, the forgiveness for her. He was all, he was right there exchanging that with her. Her bitterness, he exchanged it for love. And that's what God's doing for all of us. As we jump off into the unknown, it's a safe place because God's there and he's exchanging his love for our mess. Okay, and so as we jump into this beautiful exchange, I truly believe that you will meet God in that place if we're willing to jump. So what's, what's the result of this, this middle way, this exchange with Jesus? Uh, I really believe that Scripture has a beautiful picture of it in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't this a beautiful picture of just God's goodness manifesting in the world? through transformational community. I mean, this is our vision as Christ Fellowship. This is our vision that we'd be a part of a community that's receiving from God and then living out His goodness that He gives us. This is the beautiful exchange. This is what it looks like. And this is what we're inviting you into as you walk with us because we are dead set on living out this beautiful exchange and walking this middle way with Jesus in relationship. And when we do that, it is truly transforming. And so as we... Finish this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Uh, worship team, uh, ministry team, come on up. Uh, because we, we want to be people who respond to God. We want to be people who, whatever God's doing inside of us, we don't want to let it sit there, but we want to respond and act on it. And so this morning, as we've been talking about goodness, as we've been talking about uh, these pitfalls of goodness and walking this middle way, uh, you know, there's different, different ways to respond this morning. Uh, one of them might be, maybe you feel like you're the person who's, who's all good. Right, who believes they're all good. And you've been uh, for a long time relying on yourself as your own source of goodness, to be your own foundation of goodness. Well, I want to invite you this morning to come up and receive prayer to let God be God, uh, to let him give you the goodness that you've been longing for. And maybe you've been feeling like you're a captive to performance and you're just always trying to be good enough. 
whatever that looks like, I want to invite you to come to the front and receive prayer. There is freedom here. There is freedom from this uh, performance mentality. And maybe you just need to respond to God. Uh, maybe you, you just want to take a step towards Jesus. That's why we're here this morning is simply to take a step towards Jesus. So I invite you to the front. If you need something, if you want to respond to God, if he's doing something inside of you, I want to invite you to come to the front and receive prayer. Uh, let's respond, guys.